following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Moments in ways that, uh, that continue to rescue the world and continue to grow us up in your love, in your nature, in your image. And we thank you, Lord, for your glory, just your awesome work in us and through us. We pray that uh, you would equip the saints for the work of the ministry today, that you would open our hearts and seed them with truth, that you would help us and help me, Lord, to, to move beyond my excitement to, to a place where, we, where our hearts are instructed and, uh, and I'm able to impart what you've imparted to me. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so dependent on you for this finished work. And I pray that hearts would be fertile soil for the, for the seeding of your word, that it would come to fruition and fruitfulness for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, have a seat. So um, I, I want to be really practical this morning. Um, Jesus says here that he has now keep in mind he's not yet gone to the cross and he's saying that he's overcome the world right he's he's overcome the world and uh i want to ask you this morning as uh, uh knowing that many of you are faithful in the lord filled with the holy spirit have you ever felt rather than being an overcome have you ever felt overcome by the world by circumstances in life have you ever felt overcome and here we see the disciples and they are truly on the precipice of about uh, they're about to be overcome right and Jesus is preparing them by by telling them that I've overcome and if you will follow my example and heed my words that you too can experience this peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and mind in the midst of the tribulation the trials, the adversities, and the troubles of life. So here, here, Jesus teaches how he overcome or overcame the world. So when you think about that for a moment, so that just to be, so did Jesus overcome the world? Like, because a lot of times we think of all the world's conflicts and and uh, and the, and the, th the the problems and the trials and adversities, you know. We have to be careful about what we ascribe to its solution. Okay, so, so if, um, if you've got tribulation going on in your life, how do you overcome that, right? And as we look at Jesus' example here, um, did he do it by military might? Right, is that how he, is that how he overcame? Was that, needed? Was that needed in his context based on Israel's perception? Right, but is that how he overcame? Because a lot of times we look at current circumstances in, in our global community and we think, man, we just need to, to bring some military might to this and get this dealt. Like, that's how we'll overcome. That's not what Jesus, that's not what Jesus did. That's not what he models, right? So do we, do we overcome going into a political year? Do we overcome this by political power? Right, is that, is that what Jesus modeled? No, but sometimes we have to be careful that that's not our mindset, that, you know what, we just, we just need a better president. We just need a better government. We just need better laws. And, uh, and, and that's what's going to overcome our problems. 
right? Um, well, what about, did Jesus bring the solution of like, like money? Like is that, is that going to be the, the way that Jesus is going to overcome the problems of society? Is, is that how we often think is, man, if I just had more money, then I would be able to overcome these things, right? But that's, that's not what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? He, was he hated? And what did he do to overcome hate? He loved, right? He loved. And, and was there death? And, and what did life himself do to overcome death? He died. Right? Was, was, there, was there judgment? And what did, what did he do? He, he brought mercy to show how mercy overcomes judgment. Was there sin? Rampant, right? And what did he bring? Grace in abounding fashion in order to overcome sin. And, and so, like, he, and the list is long and it goes on. Like, what, what did, were there lies? Were there lies and deceptions? And truth showed up and over. Was there darkness? And light made his way into the brokenness and, and brought solution, homecoming, rescue, ransom. And all of this is, is meant to be not just, a, it's a perfect example to us. It's not just a teaching. It's not just what he did, but he wants, it's what he wants to continue through us. When we face hate, when we face lies, he wants us to breathe. He wants us to breathe love and truth into those moments. And so uh, he, he enters into this conversation, but earlier into this conversation, this is what he said as it relates to this peace that he's talking about in verse 33. He says in verse uh, 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 27, same conversation just earlier. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Guys, how do we overcome? Anybody ever been anxious, afraid? Anybody ever faced any of those moments in life? Um, Jesus gives us the antidote. He, he shows us how we overcome grief and sadness and doubt and anxiety. Um, and we do that by trusting him. Peace is not found in any other source. Jesus says peace in, in him we find this peace. So as we look at the first two verses, I'm going to unpack these several verses. We started in verse 28, and it says this. Jesus said, you know, we know from, from John 13, he says, he knew where he came from, he knew where he was going, and he knew who he was. And this is what allowed him to serve, because he, he was never risking his identity by, by being a servant, by, by, through humility. So in verse 28, 29, it says, I came from the Father, and I have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. This has been a very familiar theme throughout these last four chapters, right? He has been preparing them 
for his departure and for the arrival of the Holy Spirit that is going to be, it's, he says, this will be better by far. He will lead you into all truth, remind you of everything I've said. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Um, the Spirit will come. And his disciples said, Ah, oh, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative language. So the question we have to ask at, the, at this moment in the text is, was this a moment of clarity for them? Possibly, right? Uh, they thought they understood now. They thought, I mean, to make the, 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 uh, the, the faith statement that they will make on the other side of this moment is, uh, is pretty profound. Would their understanding change? Would it grow? Would, would it be challenged uh, in this moment? See, when the Spirit came to lead them into all truth, yes, we know that there will be a profound difference from the Peter that we see here and the Peter that preaches at Pentecost. Yet the immediate future, as we've already read, would reveal a lack of understanding and power to overcome, right? This perceived understanding led to a declaration of faith. We see that in verse 30. In verse 30, it says, Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to... Now, interesting, it says, now we know this. I mean, this is three plus years in, right? And they're saying, now we know that you know all things and that you do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Wow, what a great moment, right? They've, they've come to the realization that Jesus is from the Father, that he's God, that he is who he says. No one, he knows everything. Remember, in, uh, you'll, you'll remember later after the resurrection uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, it's chapter 21, verse 17. Uh, Jesus is now asking Peter for the third time, right? Do you love me? And do you remember what Jesus, you know, because it says it grieved Peter, right? Um, but it's, it says that Peter said this, you know everything. Like this was, this was the statement they were making that you know every, no one needs to question you, you know everything. This was a very sincere moment, a statement of faith on their part, right? A declaration of faith and very sincere in that statement. Can we, this is the question I have for us at this moment as we get into this. Can we have sincere belief and fail to follow? Absolutely. Right now, I want to put this before us because one of the things that is so incredibly beautiful about this moment is that does Jesus know they're going to fail? I mean, did he tell Peter earlier in, in the you know, hours before that you're going to deny me three times? Right. He knows all of this is going down and yet he continues to do what? To love them, to instruct them to go to the cross for them, right? But what's so powerful about this moment, so just before this particular moment, Jesus has said these words to them. He said, there's coming a time where you don't need, you don't, you don't have to come to me anymore. You can go right to the Father. He's letting them know that they're going to have access to the Father, that you don't have to go to anybody on this planet. You can go to the God of all creation for yourself, and then what's amazing is on the other side of this, ver this last verse here, Jesus does, what does he do? What does he do for them going into chapter 17? He prays for them. 
He prays for them. So I, I want us to understand that God is not surprised by our moments of unbelief um, when our, our understanding and our convictions and our declarations of faith fall short. He's not surprised by that. It doesn't change his posture towards us. Is that good news this morning? Do you know his love is not fickle that way and that his faithfulness endures forever and that Jesus, even though there, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? These are the, these are the guys you've poured into for three plus years. If anybody's going to stick by your side, they will. In fact, they've made declarations and statements like, listen, let us go with Jerusalem that we might die with you, right? Like, Thomas said that right? Peter said, huh, there's no way. I w that will never happen. I, I, will, I will suffer with you. I will die with you. The and, and were they sincere in those statements? Absolutely. But where were they putting? Let me ask you a question. I was going to finish that by saying, where were they putting their trust? Yes. So we're told in the scriptures, put no confidence in the flesh. And that means like we shouldn't put our, our confidence in others, right? But you know, who, you know who else is flesh? Me. You know, we're told, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Like over and over again, in so many examples in people's lives, we are challenged to put our trust in him and he will not put us to shame in other words our trust will never disappoint in him will not disappoint here's here's what i want to ask you this morning when when you fall short can i say when and not if is that okay okay because because i'm right there with you um when we when we fall short what has been what has been some of the tendencies that 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 possibly could happen in those moments you you know is it is do we run to a bottle do we run to um, a substance do we run to um, technology or uh, some form of escape in media or do we you know like I, I do you do we isolate which can be extremely detrimental Right? Do we isolate? And, and why do we do these things? What I believe is that we don't, we don't know the heart and posture of our glorious God. We're, we're not fully realizing that he, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's not going to give up on us. His love doesn't diminish. His, his faithfulness endures like his character is, 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 is ongoing. It's not like, and it's so good to know that, I mean, Jesus is telling them. And isn't that just awesome that we can, if we walk with him in intimate ways that we, and we listen and we, and we, and we seek him in his word. Do you know that they're told what they're going to do before they do it? And Unfortunately, it doesn't change the outcome because, you know, Jesus knows. But here's what is so powerful about that. Jesus knows. And it doesn't change his posture towards them. And man, if there's anything that we need to remember 
when we fall short and miss the mark is that God is good, that he is here, that his love has not walked out on us. And though all of them scattered, right? I love what Jesus says in this text, and we'll get to this. He said, though you leave me, my father never will. And the beauty of this is, this is so good. The beauty of this is, is not only is Jesus teaching this here, he's modeling it. Right? Because I don't know if you've had everybody walk out on you or the ones that you were confident would support you in moments. I mean, this, this is probably Jesus' darkest hour and most difficult moment. And it's not that they didn't want to run out on him, but they did. And Jesus models something that we, 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 we need to never forget. I will never leave you or forsake you. Though you leave me, my father never leaves me. Right? And he is not diminished in his love and his faithfulness and his, his care and his, his perspective for us in that moment because part of the reason we hide and we run, and trust me, it's in our nature, right? Look at the, look at the garden. We hide, cover up, and blame. That's, in our, that's our default. And what does God do? He walks into our midst as he did in Christ and he invites us out of the bushes right, and into his presence. And he does what's necessary in order to bring us home. And, and guys, we don't have to hide. We can run to the Father. We can, so I don't know what possibly might be your tendency when, when tri- tribulation comes, and trial and adversity and, and difficulty in life happens. But let's, let's, let's look at two accounts in the scriptures. One, I think of Martha. So Martha is upset because her sister is not helping her prepare this meal for Jesus and his disciples. And, uh, and this is in Luke 10. So um, in verse 30, I think it starts in 38. And what, what Martha says is, well, first of all, she, <laughs> it's incredible. She makes demands of, of our Lord. She goes, tell her. Wow. <laughs> like, tell her to come and help, you know. Um, and, but what I want to get to really quickly is what Jesus says to her and really to us. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. Can we, can we be there sometimes? Worried and anxious about many things. And then he says these staggering words. He says, and one thing is necessary. As if everything else is unnecessary. Right? He says, one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen that one thing, that better portion or part, and it won't be taken from her. And what we understand in that moment is that Jesus' feet is, is, is going to be always available to us. And don't you love the person of Mary who, like, if her brother's died, she is riddled with grief, right? And what does she do? The moment she sees Jesus, she throws herself in, in humble adoration at his feet. Every time we see, see Mary, she's at his feet. Whether she's listening, she's worshiping and, and taking an expensive bottle of nard. And, you know, like, and what a great example to us. And Jesus affirms that, that when we are in these moments of grief and loss and 
tribulation in its various forms that, that the challenge is trust him, know him. And if you know him, you know that he is faithful and he is, he is enduring in his love for you. And, and get in his presence quickly because that is where we find our peace in the tribulation. So I'll give you, a, I'll give you another example. Um, so the contrast of Jesus in the storm, right? So Jesus is in the boat. He's, he's in the back of the boat, the stern of the boat. He's sleeping on a cushion, right? These disciples who are very familiar with this, this body of water are terrified to the point they think they could, they could die. And they run, now they're, you can imagine the chaos. This is definitely tribulation. And they, they run and they awaken the Lord and the first thing they say to him is, don't you care if we live or die? Don't you care? Now, I think sometimes, you know, I'm just, this might not be something that we tell others, but sometimes we might feel this way in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our adversity. We might have a similar thought that, God, don't you care about? Can I assure you this morning? He cares more than you want him to care. He cares he knows and cares deeply, loves you completely. But do you, do you believe this morning that he is more concerned with your holiness than your happiness? And that he's more concerned with your character than even your comfort? That he's got greater plans and bigger, bigger things that he's doing in us that he might even be authoring the storms in our life in order to test our and strengthen our faith. Because listen, he doesn't do things to you. He's always doing things for you. Always. And it's, listen, this is so important before I get back to the storm. Like it's so important that we, that we, are, that we know him in the most painful moments of our life. Because that we know the truth about him, that we know his heart and we know his posture and we know his presence and we know his goodness and love, that we know these things. Because when we do, then we can say like Job, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Right? Like we can, like, I mean, sometimes that feels so distant to our disposition when we're facing these difficult moments, right? But when, but when we, we know that the greatest gift in life is him, Right? And we're not, as, as Amir said, we're not looking for his presence. We're looking for his presence. Right? Because that's where peace can be profound beyond our understanding to guard our hearts and minds in the midst of it, not on the other side. Because what we're doing is we're exercising our confident trust in a faithful God that will never leave us or forsake us. Do you know that this morning? Do you believe that? That, that that's the gift in life is, is knowing that he, he's with us in the storm that he's, and he provides that peace. Even, even I, I heard this testimony this week and I'm like, yes, I relate to that. Unfortunately, not all the time. There are some times that I'm, I'm a mess rather than, than understanding and, and resting in his care and his presence, his power, his love. But this is what was stated in this testimony is that, man, I am having joy right here. I can tell you about the pain. I can tell you about the loss. I can tell you about the tribulation here. But let me tell you, too, that because I know my God and I know that he's with me 
and I know he's faithful to every, pr- every single promise he's ever made. And his character never diminishes, fades, or spoils. Like he is who he is, and he will never fail. Never. Because I know that. Because I am confident in that, that I'm, I'm actually experiencing joy. And as the psalm that was read at the beginning of our service stated, that that joy is leading me to song. It's leading my heart to to sing. Now, guys, let me just give you a a reference for that. Do you remember Paul in in Acts 16? This isn't in the notes, of course, but like he's, he's in tribulation. He's in Philippi. He's been beaten to a pulp. He's now chained, him and Silas are chained to a wall. It's midnight. They're underneath in this dank, cold house. The jailer's living above them with his family, and it's midnight. It's been a bad day, right? What are they doing? They are singing. What kind of joy is this that gives a prisoner a song? Right? That's what God wants to do. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that a testimony to to others? Do you know why that that jailer fell at his knees before what was a prisoner as now an instrument of salvation and says to him, what must I do to be saved? Because their testimony was that glorious. And it's, guys, let me me be clear. This is not something we muster up. Because one of the things that we can do when, when we're looking, we talked about this this morning. Like, so remember I asked you a question, where do you go when you're afraid? Where do you go when you're upset, hurt, disappointed, discouraged? Um, like, like, where do you go? What do you do? What's, what's our, you know, sometimes what we can do, and I said, you know, like, put no confidence in the flesh. The world's going to tell you what? That's right, be strong. You can do this. You can get through this in your own... No, you can't. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Like he says, my my strength is perfect. Right? My power is made perfect in weakness. Like it's not by power or by might, but by my spirit. You know, some people trust, trust in chariots and horses, but my trust is in the Lord. And so, like, man, don't, don't fall into that trap of going, I I just need to be stronger. No, I need to go to the one that is almighty, that is the source of strength, and put my trust and confidence in him. And he will not put me to shame. He will not. And so, as we continue here, it says that, you know, they, can we have sincere belief and fail to follow? Yes, Verse 32 and 30, uh, 31 and 32 went on to say, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? It's a question like, oh, now you believe? Do you really? Um, behold, and it's not sarcasm, it's just truth, right? Like, behold, the hour is coming indeed, has, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. And I, I love that because Jesus is facing something that we often face or, you know, God, God forbid we do face, right? And he, he is saying, look, my father's with me and I'm good. 
right? Because he's with me. It doesn't mean that, that, the, that the circumstances are good. But the goodness of God can overcome us in the midst of our circumstances. And then we're able to sing. We're able to respond in supernatural ways when the Holy, because this is what the Holy Spirit does. He infuses our faith with power. I hope, I hope you resonate with that. I hope you know that's truth. Because that's what God does when, when we trust him. Like, like that's what he wants more than anything else. He wants us to trust him. Uh, Matthew 26, uh, 31, I mentioned earlier. And then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, and it's interesting. This is the prophet speaking on behalf of the Lord. He says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That's interesting. That God is up to things. Here's, here's what we need to understand here. Have you ever been in a situation and you're like, God, I, I don't understand. <laughs> um, I don't understand. This, this, how, how, I don't understand why. Can you imagine? Like, why would God strike the shepherd? Right? Why would the, in order that the sheep might, like, like God is up to things that oftentimes we don't understand. And what is the ideal posture that we have in those moments? I don't know. And you know what? I don't even like, but I love you. And I know you. And you are good. And there's a supernatural power that infuses that moment to peace and rest and hope and joy to be our strength. And that's, that's, what, that's what's so profound to others when they see that in the midst. And, and what is our part in that? Trust the Lord. See, one of the things that I, as we really look at this text and, and understand the context of it, this is a part of the journey, right? Like, do you think Jesus is surprised? I, in fact, I don't even think he's disappointed. I don't. I don't think, I, I mean, I'm not sure God ever gets disappointed because he's omniscient, right? But, but like, or surprised. But, but what we have to understand, I, I used this illustration earlier, and I, I think it's so good. Like, if you're a parent here and, and you have children, are you, are you surprised that they, unlike giraffes, didn't walk on the first day? Right? Are, are you surprised that it took them several months to actually find the, their ability to crawl and then walk? And were, were you ever at the point where you were like, man, you know, they're never going to walk? Right? No, you knew. Right? You knew that, that this is a part of the journey to walking. Right? Don't you think God has a similar perspective on our spiritual walk with him? Do you know what I'm saying? Like he knows it's a part of the journey. And this isn't a reason to fail. This isn't an excuse to fail. Right? But what I'm saying is that's not how he sees it. Right? It's just, it's just a part of the process of you growing to know and find your legs in the Lord. And, and uh, because what parent goes, I can't believe you fell down again. You know, like, or, you know, like we understand that it's, like parents understand and, and they know it's going to end with not just walking, like this is where God is with us. He knows it ends with running with him because he's, he's purchased us to that conclusion, right? He's confident in his finished work. Right? And so the challenge is for us to be confident 
in his finished work. Don't you love that, that Paul could say that to the church in the opening of, of, of Philippians? Like he says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to conclusion on the day of Christ Jesus. Do you think that gave them any confidence? And that's exactly what I'm saying here this morning. God is going to finish in you what he started. Don't be discouraged. Jesus says, be of cheer, be, take heart, right? Like, because if, if, I'm, if I'm with you, who can be against you? If God is for us, right? And he is, right? If he, I love that scripture says, like, if he sent his son to die for us, where, is he going to leave us hanging now? Right? And if now his sons? <laughs> right? We were, we were separated enemies, and, and that's what he did for us? What? And so what do you think he's going to run? Don't let the enemy lie to you. He loves you. He's your father and he's committed to you as a father and he loves you. Don't run away from him. Run to him in these moments. And so remember that, that this is part of the journey. He knew their future actions and I love this because this is exactly what he said to Peter. He said, Peter, you know, before the cock crows this morning, for the second time, you'll deny me three times. And he says, but take heart. What does he say? I've prayed for you. Not I will pray for you. He knew. And he's already, he said, I prayed for you. How, how awesome is that? And then he says, and when you return. Do you think that was of encouragement to him when he just heard that he was going to deny him three times in the future? And Jesus says, when you returned, strengthen your brothers. Do you know what we do with the, the, the refreshment that comes on the other side of repentance? We encourage others to this fact, that, that God will refresh our broken pieces and and portions in our work. Like, that's what he wants to do. And he just doesn't see it like, we need to see it like he sees it. It's just a part of the journey. You're just learning to walk and so that you can learn to run with me. And I love that. Surely Jesus would affirm their faith. If you look uh, forward in, in verse, because uh, you might say, were, there, were they sincere in their faith? L listen, Jesus says in, in John 17, this is just moments later, because I think it's fantastic that on the other side of this, what does Jesus do after telling them that you're going you're gonna to abandon me? You're going to just, you're going to leave me. He prays for them. He does what he does for us. Aren't you encouraged? Like what he, what he said about that he did for Peter before Peter faced, I prayed for you already, right? And he's already given him the forecast when you return. Right, like, and, and right away after he tells them that, he's, that they're going to scatter, the first thing he says to them, is, does for them, is pray for them. Do you know that that's what Jesus does for us? He's our mediator and advocate before the throne of grace, like right now? Because in, in the next chapter, Jesus offers his high priestly prayer, and in verse 8, listen to what it says, just in case we're questioning the sincerity of their, their statement of faith, it says, For I have given them the words that you gave me, Father. And they, I added, Father, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Right? So what does that tell us? Like, they had firm conviction there. They had sincerity. Jesus aff affirms that. 
And yet they still, with, with a, a sense of understanding and conviction, they still failed to follow. And yet Jesus is praying for them. Yet Jesus endures in his pursuit of their hearts and their salvation. He continues to love them and model for them all of this. This was truly a test of faith for the disciples. And, and we will face similar tests, right? Did they practice their faith and apply this new understanding? Maybe not, but they were being taught and trained. Peter denied Jesus and preached at Pentecost. That should be good news to us, right? That should be encouraging. Um, you know why? Because our God is truly the God of second chances, right? And don't get stuck on second because it's really 490 plus, right? Like, isn't it good news that he forgives us and he, and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. Like this is, this is how he wants us to relate under the spirit for his glory. He wants us to relate to others. Man, I'm so comforted that God will never give up on us. Never. Right? We're the ones that give up on him, but he never gives up on us. So a question for you this morning. Have you ever felt alone? Have others ran out on you when you needed them the most? Anybody have that pain in their past? Jesus understands. I want you to know Jesus understands. He lived it. He lived it. And he loves you. So how did he respond to that moment? Because we can learn by his example. Confident the father was with him. That's his first statement but I'm not alone. My father's with me. And so isn't that, isn't that an ideal response that we have in painful moments like that? Secondly, he stayed faithful to the father's will and word. That's the challenge sometimes. We get discouraged with, with the context of the moment, failing to remember how good God is, and we start to move in, in, a, in a, a different direction than his will and his word. Jesus stayed the course, kept to the mission. And finally, and I love this, and these are just my simple, obviously not comprehensive conclusions, but like he loved those who would leave him. That's huge. That is huge. I know we're talking about grace and forgiveness here, but that's huge. That he continued to love them because he said no greater love than this and a man lay down his life for his friends. And so that's such a challenge to us, something that I don't think is possible in our strength, but his for sure, is that we continue to love those that have hurt us, left us, maybe even abandoned would be the word. And finally, the last verse and probably the most important. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that, and the, if you are, I, if you have a highlighter, if you want to grab a pen, if you've got your Bible open, and I hope you do, I want you to circle two words right here. Uh, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me, that is huge, in me you may have peace. Because he goes on to say that in the world you won't, right? You're going to have tribulation. Like the world is going to be filled with trial and trouble and tribulation. But he says, in me, you may. Isn't that interesting that he says may? That in me, you may have peace. 
But then he says, in the world, you will have tribulation. And then he says these words, but take heart. It's kind of like, if we, I, I heard someone say, like, cheer up. I think, it's, I think it's bigger than that. I think it's be of good courage, right? I think it's, I'll, I'll read Jeremiah 1, I mean, Joshua 1, 9 in a minute, because I think that's what he's saying. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. That's why, right? So he says that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. He says this, I have overcome the world. So we have peace. We have peace. We have it. It's readily available through the power of the Holy Spirit in the presence of the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's available to us if, we, if, that's, if, if, that's our, if that's our response, if that's our belief, if that's our choice, if that's, our, if that's what we turn to in those moments. It, is, it comes to us in, 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 like I love how it's described in Philippians 4, like that passes all understanding, right? But not in this world. That's not where we, guys, I, I know this is obvious, but we won't find our peace in this world. Don't look for peace in circumstances or in solutions that are related to worldly concepts or principles. Like understand that our peace is in Christ. Like he is our peace. He's the prince of peace. Priceless peace, right? In the midst of tribulation, as we've discussed Back to the storm. It's interesting that they go and they wake Jesus up and they say to him, Lord, like, don't you care if we live or die? What is Jesus' response there? I know we've talked about it often because it's such a great example. Because here's Jesus. What is Jesus doing? He's sleeping in the storm. He's experiencing the peace of the Father. Right? He's not concerned. He knows who's in charge. Right? He's not worried but these guys are fretting to a, to a state that they're accusing God of not even caring. And it's interesting what he says. He says, what does he say to them? Do not be, or in fact, he asked them, why are you afraid? And what he's saying is, is I'm here. Don't you know who's in the boat? Like, and, and that's the question that we have to ask every time that there's a storm in our life. Don't you know who's in the boat? Right? Because if we know <laughs> who's in the boat, we can sleep. Right? We can rest in him. We can experience peace in the midst of the storm. Because when you trust... Amy, forgive me, because I thought it was such a great illustration this morning. Amy was sharing. Can I share that real quick about your son? Thank you. Like, so Amy said that, you know, when Shoki drives the car, when, when their son was younger, you know, it didn't seem like uh, he had uh, as much anxiety um, because he wouldn't, like, be sitting in the corner peeking at the gauges. But when Amy would drive the car, he was in the corner of the car, kind of checking the gauges, and how Amy felt like he didn't trust her. Such a great illustration. Are you checking the gauges or are you resting in the back seat? Because that's what Jesus was doing, right? Like, like and it, it covers everything when you think about it. Jesus, Jesus, he, 
he overcame the world. That's what he wanted us to understand. In other words, he overcame everything, right? And he did it in ways that are just so counterculture and counterintuitive, right? He didn't force his will. He didn't force his power. He didn't force even his love. But he moved in ways that overcame all of that uh, and just such a perfect example to us. He said, to, he said, you will have trouble, tribulation in this world. What does it mean to take heart? I think this is what it means because this is what was said to Joshua. I mentioned I'd share this with you. Joshua 1.9 says, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. What, what, is, what does 1 John 4 tell us about what, what, what confronts fear? Perfect love. Do you know that we're told that perfect love casts out all fear? Right? Because fear has to do with punishment. And when we know that we were perfectly loved through the cross of Christ, and we know that our punishment is atoned for, like he, so what do, we be, what do we need to be reminded of when we face fear? like the boys in the boat, that God loves us and his love is perfect to us and the cross demonstrates that, right? Like, we, I, th I think that's so important. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be display, dismayed. And then this is what he says. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, if that's true for Joshua, do you think that's true for the bride of Christ? the church, the saint, those that have been purchased by his blood? Do you think that that's true, that God is with us? Is it not even more true because the Holy Spirit is inside us? And that's, that's our peace, that's our confidence, that's our, that's our rest. So Jesus was the perfect example again. He said, I am not alone, the Father is with me. He assures us of that. How can we be anxious for nothing? By trusting the Lord in everything. By trusting that Jesus has overcome the world. He has overcome all of it. David overcame a giant. Jesus overcame the world. Right? I mean, I think Israel put a lot of confidence in David because he took down a nine-foot-plus, you know, Philistine giant. Right? It's like, oh, <laughs> you can be our king. Please don't miss this. Jesus overcame the world. He can be my king, right? right? He can be my king. And what that means is I will fall under your reign and I will embrace your provision and your protection knowing that you are faithful. Jesus wants us to have peace in tribulation. He wants us. To, can we hear that in the text? He wants us to demonstrate our trust in the midst of the storm. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close our service. And, and here's the icing on the cake, in my opinion. Like, if you want to turn with me to this, um, I would love that. First John chapter 5. And I would encourage you to get your highlighter or pen out because you need to highlight this, these two verses. You need to know these two verses. I would encourage you this week, if you're going to meditate on anything, meditate on these two verses. And this is what... 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God, right, filled with the Spirit, and we're saved by what? 
by faith, by his glorious grace through faith, right? Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Do you see it right here? Our faith in him. Right here. This is, listen to what it says. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith in him. Verse 5 goes on to clarify and to, to reinforce. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God right? Man, do we know that when we face anything in life that the challenge is this? Trust him. Believe. Believe he is who he says he is, does what he says he does. Guys, I want to I read a passage as we begin this next song. And as I read this passage, I believe it has beautiful implications for what we've been talking about this morning. Please never doubt that God loves you. Remembering that perfect love casts out all fear. And in order for us to grow to that capacity of all fear being dis dispersed, we need to be perfected in that understanding that God loves us. Please understand this morning that it's a journey and that th the journey is filled with bumps and bruises and ups and downs, but God is with us and he stays with us. He's faithful through the journey. But this verse always blesses me. And so as we start this last song, our last two songs, I, I want to read these passages to you. Listen to what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribula tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are, ki we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to, the, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sheep to, the, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.